The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Neo Reality Collective, Pop Culture News Talk. Had a bit of a delay, had some issues on the original recording day, so I decided to delay it by one day and ultimately publish the episode here, along with everything else. We got a ton of news for the first half of week, of week four of February, the final week. Man, this is the final week of February, and then the 28th comes around, then we'll be back in March. But let's get right into everything. Thing we got Diablo 2 news resurrected, saying Blizzard has to reiterate publicly that it will not repeat the mistake of Warcraft 3 Reforged for Diablo 2 resurrected, meaning that the remaster will not replace Diablo 2 in any way, shape, or form. Lead designer Rob Gellerani, I'm pretty sure I butchered that name wrong, sorry about that said that Resurrection 2 Resurrected will not absolutely not override the existing Diablo 2 installs. Bruce Blizzard previously told GameStop this information during BlizzCon. Everything you have about Diablo 2 will currently will stay Diablo 2. This is a separate product, separate game. You can play them both at the same time if you want. So, yeah. After the incident with Warcraft 3 and Reforged, it was probably best they did not repeat the same mistake. But... You know how these people are. Also, other news was that in Supergirl, Supergirl was... There was something I wanted to talk about for last week, but I completely forgot to do that. <clears throat> was that there was a report that came out regarding Supergirl, and who was going to be in the DCU, which was awesome. But then I heard the news, and I don't know who this actor is. So... So... I don't know the full details about who this actor is, like I said, but she's going to show up in the Flash movie, it seems. So, uh, so Supergirl is going to be played by Sasha Kali, who's going to play a Supergirl in the DC Extended Universe in the upcoming Flash movie. She's currently 25, and the director shared confirmed the news on his Instagram on Friday. DC published the news, and... Yeah, I don't know much about this actor, actress, but she was playing her role as Loa, R- R- I can't pronounce that last name, on The Young and the Restless. She was nominated for Daytime Emmy Award or for Outstanding Young Performer We're in a drama series last year, and she also starred in the YouTube series Socially Awkward. So, yeah, and the actress who plays Supergirl in the CW series is supporting her. Or so, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be interesting where they take this. I keep thinking, I keep thinking that they're going to, that the, so one of the things that people brought up was that she's Latina and she's Latino and everything. And 
this is now a different and now it's like now there's rumors going around that they're probably going to recast Henry Cavill Superman as Latino in order to you know get the whole thing right I don't know why but yeah it is kind of annoying but at the same time it's like this is a but this is but like Flash is going to be racing through the multiverse it seems in the movie so won't that just not be the same Supergirl that's supposed to be in the DCEU and it's just going to be of multiverse alteration of her like well we don't know the full details about that so you have to wait and see before we can reserve proper judgment but you know but the internet's good internet so really what's the point at this point so there now there's been a report saying that about about according to justin crawl on deadline saying this about fantastic four all I'm going to say is this. Marvel just started a meeting with writers on Fantastic Four. There is no script. It will be a while before this film starts shooting. So they are currently in the earliest stages of planning for a Fantastic Four film. Um, the studio is still meeting with writers and doesn't even have a potential script just yet. They're alone a cast to work with. After the whole rumor regarding regarding Jennifer Lawrence playing Dr. Susan Storm, um, which, okay, some people are still mixed about, this kind of understandably is more like denying that that wasn't the case. So we'll have to see where who's good if casting will be happening and what the news will be like. But we have to wait for a script to come out and get everything planned out. So yeah, it's gonna be a while, people. Gonna be a while. So Disney Plus continues to evolve. This time, with a new offering for international markets called Star that features more adult-themed content. Disney Plus Star is now available in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, along with Singapore, which represents the first region where Disney Plus landed with Star. According to Deadline, Disney will release Disney Plus Star in Europe, up Hong Kong, Japan, and then South Korea later in the year. Star is not available in the U.S. because most of its content is already available on the Disney Plus' Hulu platform, but this is a very big deal as it opens up for growing up Disney content with a significantly larger audience than before. Some of the biggest name catalog involves Grand Enemies, The X-Files, Lost, Family Guy, Atlanta, Blackish, and Scandal, along with movies like Moulin Rouge, The Devil's Worst Panda, Pranda, uh, Die Hard 2, Pretty Woman, and The Favorite, just to name a small few. Disney Plus also features original content on feature on Star, including Love, Victor, or Big Sky, and Solar Opposites. Dallin reported that Disney will also develop a locally produced original content for certain Star regions. Consigning with the announcement of Star's inter- international expansion, Disney introduced parental controls in the Star regions and globally. You can, and there are breakdown controls in the video in a video released. So this is clearly you suggesting that yeah, they're they're finally pushing for more adult content, and they're going to give it a different, somewhat name called Disney Plus Star. How about you just call it Disney Plus R? <laughs> you know, because rated R content. I'll shut up on that. So, yeah. Along with that, there's been further updates regarding the Lord of the Rings show coming on to Amazon. Uh, and that artist Ted Nasmith confirms he is not involved in the Amazon's new products new show of the Lord of the Rings. Saint recently speculated that the, that the original visual artist was involved in the productions of the big budgeted fantasy show. However, he himself came out and said, "Nope, I'm not involved in it in any way whatsoever." So yeah, you had to uh, 
Yeah, considering he was very richly detailed, it looks like uh, that's going to be not the case for this time around. But we'll have to see how that goes and see how all progress goes on that front. But we'll have to see. Like I said, we'll have to see. We don't have even a trailer yet, so <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a bit of a problem for everybody. So, as this continues out, um, Very Odd Parents creator Butch Hartman has been accused of plagiarism. You know, the guy who created multiple Nickelodeon classics like Very Odd Parents that way spend way too much time on a show and was ultimately, you know, yeah. Uh, Tough Puppy, which ended ended early on in its run. Danny Phantom, which had a beginning, a middle, and end, has been is being accused of plagiarizing art by Japanese artists. Hartman, who charges upwards of two hundred dollars for a commission, was accused by Twitter artist simply known as O Two Eight Ton Tone T O N, and as tracing their priests of Attack on Titan character or I Mikasa. Uh, saying this, um, where the artist in, in question wrote this in the translated tweet below. Um, <clears throat> I have received a report that my fan art has been plagiarized. I checked the tweets and found many similarities to my work. In addition, there was a possibility that money was being made, so I'm urgently alerting you to this. I do not have permission to use the illustrations. If you see any products using the same artwork in the future, please do not purchase them. And one of the artworks involves Butch, Hart, Butch, Butch Hartman. And I'm looking at the artwork, and it is very similar. Just one is matching his style, whereas the other is matching realism style. Oh, you... Oh, dear. So, he was soon trending on Twitter after this with over 70,000 tweets talking about him. It was even pointed out that Hartman has been accused of this in the past. Older instances of plagiarism start to resurface, including him Ray Trace, Tracing, Ran Chan from UZ... Um... <coughs> uh, sorry. Sorry, uh, something came up. Um... <clears throat> sorry about that. About him Ray Tracing... Ron Chan, I can't pronounce the show, so I'm not going to try. Despite the comparisons of multiple accusations, at this time, Hartman has not commented or deleted the artwork of Mikasa. Really? Butch Hartman really did this, probably? Oh, like, you would think the guy of his credentials wouldn't have to resort to that? Like... If he wanted to look up artwork that was trying to go who these characters look at these characters and what they look like, okay, fine. But at the same time, it's like, come on, just, just come on. So, yeah, the creator of the most of some popular shows, one that overstayed its welcome for too long, went ahead and plagiarized content. From other artists who and charges two hundred bucks a piece, and is plagiarizing by tracing over them to match his style, but be basically a copy of the previous artist's style. We live in a strange, strange world. Netflix's true crime documentary *Murder Among the Mormons* releases their first trailer. 
which is being directed by the director of Napoleon Dynamite, because, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm interested in that. And honest, and the director for Honest Liar, the film examines a three of the run, a run of three bombings in 1985 that killed two people, severely injured another, and shocked Salt Lake City. Of the original events, the official synopsis explains that the murders sent further stockways through the community when a trove of an early Mormon letters and diaries are found in the destroyed vehicle of the first victim. These documents threaten to shake the very foundation of Mormonism. So, I, I don't know exactly what happened in 1985, but, yeah. This is a limited series. It's set to hit, hit March 3rd on Netflix. Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica, Ron, Ron Moore wants to make another Star Wars, makes, wants to make a Star Wars TV show. So, he worked on stuff called Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, and Outlander. Is, is now apparently working... At Disney and has some ideas for a Star Wars show. Speaking to the Hollywood Reporter, Moore said he would love to be able to work on a Star Wars TV show under his new eight-figure deal with Disney. He cautioned that it might be some time before it happens because Disney is quite busy with, you know, the ten-plus Star Wars shows into production, and that the company had bounced back in their big investor meeting in December. Still, he hopes to be able to do it someday. As fans might recall, Moore was also working on a live-action TV show with George Lucas that fell apart, but they had a very ambitious goal here. But at the time, they weren't. the networks were like, hey, we don't know because we're not used to this style formatted TV where we're going to this premium content, so we're not going to jump on this. But then years later, we'll regret it and realize that we should have jumped on it because then Game of Thrones happened, then Breaking Bad happened, then The Walking Dead happened, and now it's virtually everywhere. So, saying this, I would love to do something in that franchise. It was fun to work on the on the canceled live-action show that I did way back when. I got a tremendous amount of thrill of writing lines for Darth Vader in one episode, and it would have been fun to do that again. It's not the first piece of development I'm doing over there, but hopefully I'll be allowed to do that at some point. He also said he does not currently have a fully-formed pitch that he could bring to Disney for the new Star Wars show, but he said he has a couple of notions in the back of his head. Ideas and areas that I think would be fun to poke around the corners of the Star Wars universe? Yes. So... Yeah, I've seen some stuff about more. I'll probably talk about it down the road on my YouTube channels. But, yeah, would I like to see him come back again and get a chance to work on Star Wars? Oh, absolutely. It seems fitting to end, end, his, end the trilogy of epic sci-fi pieces with, you know, from Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Outlander, and now ending the saga with famous franchises with... Star Wars! High concept sci-fi. So... So during a recent stream, um, Phil Spencer, the guy of Xbox, uh, has a Kojima London's figure behind him in a recent stream. Yeah, uh... Yeah, and... Some people were like, you would think, okay, that's not really a big deal. He has a, so maybe he's a collector. But at the same time, the most famous one um, was that he hid an Xbox Series S on his bookshelf in July 2020 before the console specs were fairly announced and no one noticed. It is somewhat similar move. Daniel, you know, I can't pronounce his last name, of Get Out, out 
was wearing a headset in the Xbox Series X launch trailer back in 2020 of October, which was later revealed to be the new Xbox headset, which wasn't announced until February of this of this year. Yeah, so he has the Kojima Productions London's figure here in the background, apparently next to the Xbox logo. So could it be potentially Death Stranding's coming to the Xbox? Or maybe something big's going to go down? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm looking forward to this. But that's then. This is now. That's from then on. So good luck to that. If Kojima does show up, he's going to probably do something insane. Cara Dune's Mandalorian action figure selling for high prices after the after the actress's firing. Following the firing and the action figures for Cara Dune, the character she played in the Mandalorian, not only began selling at most retailers, but also being sold for exorbitantly high prices on on stores like Amazon and eBay. Yeah, considering how they said they will, how rumors are coming out that they will not recast the character, despite the reports saying that there was going to be a recasting, and the fact that it looks like she's now out of the Star Wars universe for like. The rest of her days? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> like, there's even a Star Wars Black Series 6-inch figurine going on for $10,000 on eBay. So, yeah. So, yeah, Cara Dune is selling pretty well on eBay, Amazon, for exorbitant high prices. And you gotta also contend all the posters, the artworks, the art books that contain her before Disney puts them out of print. Yeah, that sounds about right. Joining up in this insanity, the Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, is going to have a movie in the works with Charm City King's director. The DCU is adding a new hero in the mix. The rap reports Jaime Reyes, aka the Blue Beetle, will be starring in his own movie directed by Charm City King's Angel Manuel. Oh, Shelto, written by Gareth, Gareth, I can't pronounce his last name, and this will be the first DC Latino-focused film, well, because, you know, they have Supergirl cast. So, in DC Comics, Jaime Reyes is the third person to hold the mantle, a Mexican-American teenager from El Paso, Texas, whereas Linkar will forever be known as the guy who said El Paso, New Mexico, because of course he did. <laughs> At least he admitted he made a mistake and corrected himself. Jaime's life was turned foot turned upside down when he stumbled upon the alien scarab artifact that fused in his body, giving him the ability to summon a sentient suit of high-tech armor. As Blue Beetle, Jaime has only a certain degree of control over the armor, which often gets him or out of trouble whenever he, whether he likes it or not. I mean, yeah, he has turned, flipped his life around, but at the same time, he's like, he got a girlfriend... Then he told his parents about the truth about him wearing a suit, like, pretty right away. And then several other people knew. He has a big circle of friends that know. And then the New 52 rebooted all that and made him look act like Spider-Man. Where he constantly is supposed to be... He's constantly making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And you're just trying to wonder why the hell is, is DC thinking like this. So, yeah. <laughs> Production of the Blue Beetle is set to begin as fall, according to the rap. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting where Jaime Reyes is going to be taken in the DC Extended Universe. New Horror Game stars a tabby cat named Biscuit. I saw the, the image. It was weird. 
So this could be a new horror project coming, and it will be and it'll have you play a cat instead of a typical human. Then Edge Memories is going to feel that very specific lapid overlapping. It's from independent developer from Scratch Studios. It's still a long way from release, but a demo showcasing the ideas the studio had for its title it was now on Steam. In Edge Memories, you play as a cat. A tabby, of course, named Biscuit, who's searching for his lost mother. An innocent enough premise, but one looks that like it will veer into tense situations from the looks of the first trailer that came out. The game is still described as a mix of first and first and third person exploration, with the view shifting depending on the gameplay scenario. Oh, explorations do semi-open world. Oh, for example, is in third person, which gives gameplay an interesting perspective given the size of its protagonist. That switches to first person when in a house, for example, where you can inspect items using biscuits, hurry paws, and sharp claws. Now, it's still in early development that many ideas of the demo are there for testing purposes. The studio is also hiring more character artists and animators currently, so you can expect some assets and animations to improve over time. Etch Memories also doesn't have a release date yet, so it's a project that could be followed for some time. Oh boy, so creepy cat, creepy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, for those who still love Aliens, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection are remastered for, for, upcom for an upcoming 4K release. Currently undergoing a 4K remaster along with a 4K Blu-ray release of each of the films, films according to the digital fix. No other information was given in addition to a rumored box set. The company also reported that Disney may also be intending to release those three films on Disney Plus Star, initially with subsequent 4K Alien collection heading into 4K Blu-ray sometime in 2022. Telling all this would make sense as Disney's recent launch of Star, a service hub uh, where more adult content so far only available outside the US, is notably missing the Alien franchise. Okay, can we see the work print that was originally made and finish David Fincher's complete vision or what vision he could go with? Or like, it's not the director's cut, it might be the work print version he had, but can we get that one? I, I would really love to see. David Fincher have some sort of redemption for the project he feels personally ashamed about. I would love if he was given the redemptive act to bring the Alien 3 that he had initially wanted to make and not whatever the hell, you know, the Fox executives did to it. Yeah. Or Alan Rip or the actress who plays Ripley. I mean, like, she was like, no guns. There can be no guns because I'm anti-gun. And that clearly means that using guns in a, in a movie or is the same as using a real gun in real life. Mostly because I'm crazy. Like that one religious nut job who thinks that killing in a video game is the same as killing in real life. Seriously, I don't get that logic. So there was a big rumor going around that the Big Hero 6 characters are going to be adapted for a live action for the MCU, but now a report came out that they are not coming to the MCU. Recent report that gave many hope that Hero, Baymax, and other characters from Big Hero 6 would be making their live action debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It appears that is no longer true, at least for now. A source inside the Walt Disney Pictures Animation Studios confirmed to a variety of the recent report of the DizInsider.com about Big Hero 6 crew during the MCU is not currently true. However, that doesn't seem to mean the heroes from that film was that was inspired by a Marvel comic of the same name will never join the ranks of, you know, the big names. It's Big Hero 6, the comic series published by Marvel Comics and the Man of Action and created by the Man of Action made its debate in 1998. Sunfire and Big Hero 6 number 1 unlike the film setting in San Francisco. 
with Congress in Japan. Furthermore, Baymax was a synthetic bodyguard that was able to transform into a green dragon. Comic books! Also, did they ever explain... Wait, how is everything... In, did they ever explain, like, did Japan win World War II and everything took over? Is that what happened? Because, or is it everything just aesthetically Japanese and therefore we're just forced to accept that? Oh, man. Imagine if the movie that is always sweet and innocent actually has a dark backstory and all of its gruesome detail. You know, like that unnecessary movie they're going to make where they're going to take this iconic, happy-go-lucky singing singing moment from Barney the Dinosaur, I love you, you love me, and take it dark and edgy, and what is so damn of Barney? Because we got to do something that stupid. At least ba at least the Bay Hero 6 could get away with, oh, it was because the Japanese won World War II and took over the world. At least that would make sense. So, yeah. Speaking of movies from the MCU, Spider-Man 3 had a bunch of fake towels be published by the actors, because of course they did. And, and along with a photo featuring Peter, MJ, and Ned from the movie. But they posted some images, Tom Holland, Jacob Bolt, and the actress who play these characters. Um... Oh man, mostly making jokes about the movie and whatnot, about the name of the movie. But now it's gonna be. But it was officially really announced a few days, uh, just a few a few days after this, was that the official title is Spider-Man: No Way Home, releasing on Christmas Day. Oh God. Oh God. So. <laughs> So yeah, we're still doing the home stuff. In fact, one of the jokes was that it's gonna be called "Phone Home, Phone Home." Though, considering that this might be a multiversal event, considering that it seems like they're teasing the idea that all the Spider-Man from all of the past movies are coming back, and all the past villains are starting to pop in, and that Daredevil's coming in, Charlie Cox is coming in to play Daredevil again. And probably represents his lawyer because, you know, he's been accused of mass murder and all that insanity. Yeah, I still never made a review about that. But, yeah, it, it's... Yeah. Along with that, um, Bethesda auctions, chance to design, auctions the chance to design Starfield character for charity. Uh, Bethesda fans are eagerly awaiting the any information of, about Starfield, the studio's upcoming sci-fi open-world game, but a new charity auction may actually let you influence it directly. Bethesda has paired up with Make-A-Wish for, e for the Evening of Wishes 2021 event, a gathering of different auctions that go to support the organization's efforts. Bethesda prizes the chance to help design a character that will appear in Starfield. Oh, saying in a published information on their Twitter account, saying... We're delighted to provide the opportunity to design a character in Starfield to one lucky winner, as well as an Xbox Series X game, and a, a console, and a bunch of games. So, yeah, you get the opportunity to design a character for the Starfield game. Oh, God. So, you get a, so 
from what the from the official auction description describes it as, it seems like you could either be designing an original character or simply designing a lookalike of yourself. They were also get to work alongside Bethesda executive producer Todd Howard's capacity. Well, let's hope it's not Jim Sterling because I'm pretty sure he'll punch him in the face at this point. <laughs> not really. So it was said that the current bid for the lot is four thousand dollars. Yeah, that, that that sounds about right. Also, um, <laughs> GameStop CFO Jim Bell has resigned from the company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently, and I don't know the full details about this, about in the aftermath of the stock price share, um, apparently they were trying to pay him millions to just get out of here. Or at least one of the executives, so that's telling. Oh, and speaking of which, Chicago's lawmakers are proposing a bill to sell to ban the sale of violent video games like GTA V. Okay. Well, let's get right into this. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. For your money back. Uh, screw that. You're not going to get your money back. Oh, God, we're really back at this. So we went from moving on from video games being the devil. I'm like, we're still dealing with that, but now it's not as stupid. But now it's getting back to being stupid. We're still dealing with a pandemic, even if the disease is subsiding just a bit. But now this is the part where everyone starts to get cocky. They start to get arrogant. They get stupid. They get to be risky. They want to do all this stuff and risk throwing, laying their overconfidence being their weakness. And then we're right back to 2020 again. And like, this is already 2020 part two, so we might as well just start preparing for part three of this. I'm pretty sure we're going to get a 10 part series. It probably shorter if cancellation happens. So. Yeah, carjacking's on the rise, and, you know, instead of dealing with carjacking, they're blaming the thing on violent video games. <sighs> so, instead of dealing with carjackers, stealing cars, Grand Theft Auto style, you're going to go after games called Grand Theft Auto. Because the connection's somehow there. I mean, everyone in that game is a billionaire or a millionaire or, well, mostly billionaires if they hack the game enough and have absurd level rankings that in a short amount of time when they get it. So, yeah, I, I think this is stupid. So Gal Gadot reveals that she was ready to quit acting before being cast as Wonder Woman. So, yeah, she reveals she almost quit acting and before being cast as Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman, according to the actress herself. After the premiere and everything, and with less than two months before the Justice League Snyder Cut comes, comes to HBO Max, she revealed that, yeah, uh, I, she almost quit. Uh, yeah. And considering I kind of... Though, considering how Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman was used in Wonder Woman 1984, and a lot of people are a little mixed about it, some are hating it, I still am not sure how to feel. Yeah, I can see. Um, it's going to be interesting. Oh, 
if if she's if she'll ever come back to you know play Wonder Woman in the future DCEU films if they get their act together with Flash. So we'll have to see. Also, Zack Snyder's Justice League ending is scored to Hallelujah. 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 So yeah, Snyder opened up about the song significance to him and it's including Justice League. And, yeah, this was the favorite song of his daughter, Autumn, who tragically passed away. His, passing led to his departure on Justice League. The film rendition is sung by Alison Crow, a family friend who also sang it at the Autumn's funeral. Oh, in the Via in the Variety Fair, Snyder discussed the director's cause of form of personal healing. When you think about the catharsis of it, I, if I was Potter, I would have made... Some pottery to look for some way through this, but I'm a filmmaker, so you get this giant movie. So he's dedicating the, the Zack Snyder Justice League movie to be dedicated to Autumn and the inclusion of how the leader seems fitting for such a profoundly personal project. By separating his Justice League from the DCU canon, Snyder has allowed him much more room to experiment and build the specific film he wanted to make. That means the ability to include new characters, the darker tone, and loads of extra plot lines and footage. Still, it also means including personal elements reflective of his journey of finishing the film. So whatever the Star Cut ends up being, it will be unequivocally driven by Snyder's creative vision and everything else he's done for his family and for his daughter, his passing daughter. And yeah, I would love to see if Snyder gets to restore his, gets to do finish his story out. Oh, because remember, Justice League Snyder Cut is a part one of a two-part movie that probably will never happen unless you know it makes monster money in, in DVD and box office sales because they are intending to make this box office to make this in the box. So potentially down the road, and they are already making a Justice Gray edition. So, look forward to that. So, an acclaimed visual novel RPG game, Genosha, uh, I'm pretty sure I butchered that. The acclaimed replayable visual novel and single-player social deduction game will arrive for Nintendo Switch on March 4th, announced exclusively at IGN. Priced at $24.99, UK and Australian prices are now available at the time of this production of the article's report. And pre-orders open on February 25th, which is at this time of the at the time of this podcast is today. So get ready for that. I never played it, so I, I don't really play that visual novel stuff. So you have to go ahead and do do something else about that. However, there is something else going on in the works. It seems that Destroy All Humans 2 is seemingly teased for a remake in a new trailer, according to the game. So, asked for comment on where this was a tease from the new game, senior producer of Destroy All Humans gave an appropriate teasing response, but added that there may be more info soon. We can't explain to ourselves who that other foreign clone is, either. We contacted all intelligent agencies we know and asked for support. Majestic, the KGB, that guy in a tinfoil hat outside of our office screaming out of phone box every day. We think we are onto something, though. We may have more intel soon. THQ and Black Forest Games appear to be teasing Destroy All Humans 2 Remake in the latest trailer for 2020's Destroy All Humans. The game is currently 50% off, and the accompanying trailer revealed the news below. Oh, features a small skit at the end, and in it we can see Crypto138 
the protagonist to destroy all humans too, interrupting to destroy all humans protagonist Crypto 137. 138 is wearing the upgraded armor from the sea glass. Are you done yet, 137? And referring to the fact that he's deceased and could be replaced at the start of the second game, in response, 137 says, Wait your turn, little tadpole. Oh, I'm only getting started. So, the press the new re- release accompanying the trailer makes note of the unusual ending, suggesting that it may be a way to concrete tease via concrete trees that a remake of the second game is coming in the same vein as last year's Destroy All Humans. Of course, this is the possibility that this is just an in-joke for fans, or a DLC could be on the way instead. We They've contacted the publisher for comment, IGN did, but there's been no report yet. Um, so, Diablo 4's open world design is making Sanctuary... Uh, um, it's going to explain how de- making Sanctuary is a place worth saving. So... Yeah, Diablo 4 is making the shift to an open world design raises several questions. After all, an open world is not just the type of map on one end of the spectrum. It's a level of design philosophy. On the other, it's a whole genre with its own traditions and mechanics. So what exactly does open world mean for Diablo? It also is a quite substantial change from the isometric series, but one that thankfully won't burn its deep-seated action RPG roots. Saying, uh, explains, uh, explains the lead system designer. And they're saying, we don't want to just to be too disruptive to the regular gameplay flow of Diablo. We don't want to create a slew of things that you need to do in, or, in the other world, such as the thing that might distract from the fun of killing monsters and fighting dungeons. We've been very intentional about the opportunities we can provide to the players so we can put, don't push them too hard in one direction or the other. Essentially, Diablo 4 is not turning into an open world with a map full of bur- Filled full to bursting with icons and question marks. Diablo 4 is still Diablo. It's just that this time players will not only have more freedom to exploration, but most will have the opportunity to make the world of Sanctuary feel like, well, like just like that, a world. We want to make sure that when you're playing the game, you don't feel the need to open the map and to continually track and retrack lots and lots of different things. We want to make sure that it feels more like you're uncovering the stuff, the stuff as you wander naturally. As you explore Sanctuary, you'll come across less scripted characters and activities in a manner that is almost akin to Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, you may find a potion, portion merchant from not far from the row who looks like they are in need of aid. You might even find small things like chasing a deer around the country, countryside, the corpse of a merchant down the road with bandits slinking nearby, hidden in the bushes and such. Lots of like some smaller things that happen just randomly as you're adventuring around. So, yeah, previously Diablo games were built from levels that were representing chunks of Sanctuary. Diablo fits those chunks together by filling in the gaps, saying, with the the designer saying, I really want to know what's between those places. I want to know what those people really live, what the Sanctuary really look like. It's possible that any Sanctuary is just a bit of a stand-in for the action that needs to occur, That, but there's all this lore and there's so much depth that's put into the fantasy world of Sanctuary. So they do want to make this thing look alive and give you this sense of you want to save this place other than really trying to play the game and actually saving this place. But, yeah. So, yeah, Valheim's success continues, passing 4 million copies and and 4 million copies sold. Developer Iron Gates have confirmed that in just 13 days, Valheim has purchased by over 2 million players. Here's Ainge announced the news on Steam, also covering that the game reached a peak of over 360,000 people. So, yeah. And then it came out that they managed to make it to 4 million copies. 
I have not played the game yet, but it could be good. We'll check it out down the road. Also, Republic Commando, the classic game we got, gets April Switch and PS4 release dates. Um, let's see. The game aim is set to bring back a single-player experience, but the PvP multiplayer modes for the original game to feature probably won't be involved. It will be released for $14.99. UK and 8 and Australia prices are not available at this time of writing. So, yeah, it seems like this is part of their plan to, you know... Tease the clone troopers are coming, the clone troopers are coming, the clone troopers are coming, and you know, raising us all hell as possible in the upcoming Bad Batch series that has now been announced to have their own special release date uh, around May 4th. So get ready for that, everybody. So I get the villain they're gonna tease the idea that the that our buddies from Republic Commando are gonna show up like they showed up in the Clone Wars series, so they are canon. They are canon, so don't forget that they are canon, so this game could still be counted as canon in the eyes of the beholder. But we're going to take a small little break here. Enjoy this advertisement, everybody. We're back, everybody. The Cyberpunk 1.2 major patch-up that was set to come out has been delayed after, after the cyber attack. So... The major 1.2 patch following the cyber attacks the studio suffered earlier this month has announced that due to the news and all that... Also, this new patch goes beyond any of our previous updates. Saying this in a tweet, while we definitely wanted to deliver the patch update in the time span we detailed previously, the recent cyber attack of the studio's internal infrastructure and extensive scope of the update means that this unfortunately will not happen. We'll need some additional time. Our goal for the patch 1.2 goes beyond any of our previous updates we've been working on, numerous overall quality improvements and fixes, and we still have to work to do make sure that what you get. With that in mind, we're now aiming for the release of the second half of March. It's not the news we enjoy sharing, but we wanted to make sure we launched this update properly. Stay tuned for more information on the time draws closer. Thank you for your continued patience and support. Oh, dear. Some people actually think that this is going to lead to them just giving up at this point because there's virtually no way to fix this. But what we, uh, all we can do is hope at this point that something fixes this. But, yeah. So... Yeah, Cyberpunk has had a massive rough patch, no pun intended, throughout this whole entire debacle. And then they got the cyber attack and the leaked codes and information and auctioning off on the deep web. It's just, oh god. So, yeah, some people think that they'll actually stop and give up after this, but... Yeah, some people think they'll just stop and just make a new game out of this and try and start again. They kind of can't. They kind of locked themselves in a place for a long time, and they don't really have any plans, I think, at the moment. So they kind of have to finish Cyberpunk. So, <clears throat> Disney Plus has announced premiere updates and releases new images for upcoming shows. Those, like I said, the Bad Batch will arrive on May 4th. The Mighty Ducks will also, on March 26th. The Mighty Ducks Game Changes will also make its debut on March 26th. And a new series of start and will be followed by Big Shot releasing on April 16th. Whereas, whereas uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier will release on March 19th. And Loki will premiere on June 11th. Taking place after Avengers Endgame. The second season of Zenimation will arrive on June 11th. will provide a mindless full, mindfulness sound skip. Escape experience when seeing us from eight decades to the Walt Disney Animation. 
On June 25th, the Mysterious Benedict Society will debut on Disney Plus. It involves a group of orphans who must foil a nefarious plot with global ramifications while creating a new story family along the way. July 2nd, we'll see the return of everyone's favorite monsters and monsters at work. Hurricane, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be insane from Monsters, Inc. Turner and Hooch will premiere on July 16th. And, and Park Life will debut on July 23rd. Hmm. Disney Plus is busy with their content vault. So, get ready for that, everybody. EA is putting the future of its franchise, including Timefall, into its studio's hands. So, yeah, they... So, the so when she... So, oh, yeah. Laurie Millie, he has revealed in an interview saying this. This, as she's the chief studios officer for EA... He's saying this. Those years working directly with the developers forever shaped my understanding of the complexities and sophistications of game development, as well as many of my appreciation and admiration of game developers. So, saying this, uh, she, where she works for over 6,000 game developers across the company, she tells uh, tells people that she sees EA's internal studios as a gravitational center of the company, with the focus of her job being the, to empower those developers to make these things they want to make it all the while responding to what the wants and needs of the EA games, communities, and fans. In terms of game development philosophy, our players were always our nor North Star. <laughs> right. It's not. It's the microtransactions and NFL deals. As I started with this current role, I wanted to strip away some of the preconceived notions that were about what the game should be we should be investing in and really start listening to the players and incorporating their voice into our development process. Ah, so you're giving up the license to NFL. Right? Now. Since then, we have announced a slate of new games we have, people have asked for. A new skate, college football, a Command & Conquer remaster, the Mass Effect trilogy, and we developed free content in Battlefront 2 for several years to turn the perception of that game completely around. I wanted to strip away some of the perceived notions we, we should be investing in. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, she also reportedly emphasized the importance of keeping players involved in the ongoing development process of all EA's games, citing as examples of EA releasing the Command and Conquer Source Code and the new announcement of a new skate game by a studio called Full Circle by EA. We call it Full Circle for a reason. We want our players' experience to come full circle with EA. Our players deserve to be part of the process, and yada yada yada. Uh, and they recently added an innovation team that are heavily focused on tech development and dedicated to long-term game development. Those teams explore innovation initiatives that players will get to experience in two to three years. And she wants to make it clear that being player-focused doesn't mean making everyone 100% happy at the time. I mean, okay, see, that's the thing. You're aware. Okay, here's the thing. I get you cannot appease everybody. When you try and appease to everybody, you ultimately appease to no one. That's my philosophy, at least. So you might as well just focus on your on what a majority of people want, and also come to a conclusion of what they want to see published on. Well, everything. Hey, you can at least please at least a good chunk of your audience. You're not going to please everybody. So we'll have to see where that goes. Anthem development ceases. Bioware to focus on Dragon Age and Mass Effect. So, after the disaster that was Anthem and due to the COVID-19 and desire to focus on other projects, Bioware has ceased development on Anthem, the live service game, and now it seems that the, after the success of Fallen Order, they are moving forward with single-player focus games and not really, you know, doing something stupid. Meanwhile, speaking of Mass Effect... 
Henry Cavill has has teased that he may be working on a project set in the Mass Effect universe. He shared a photo of himself with the with the words "secret project" or just a handful of paper random words in it. Guess we'll have to wait and see. Happy Hump Day, all! Oh, Hump Day hashtag secrets. Included with the image was part of the appears to be a script of a handful of paper random words in it, but it's too blurry to clear and make out what's on the page. Each game pressure used a program called Focus Magic to remove the blur. And the clear image reveals such words as Sobres, Talizora, and Geth. IGN also used the focus image to confirm that those words do indeed appear. So, yeah. <laughs> Following, so, yeah. Does it mean that we're going to get, you know, them? We're going to get a Henry Cavill-led Mass Effect series or movie? I'm all for it. Just so long as it's good. And along with video game projects, Halo's TV series has moved from Showtime to Paramount Plus. Yay. Yay. So, yeah, that, 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 that's the thing. And they apparently showed footage to a private investor's meeting that the public could not watch. So, yeah, we're still in the dark. Karen Feige also shares updates on Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and other Disney Plus series. And also put disappointed people with the announcement regarding rated R MCU movies. So, yeah, Kevin Feige says plans for the MCU on Disney Plus are already well underway and hosted over Zoom. He answered press questions such as the Samus Marvel, which he says is finishing up shooting. Hawkeye is currently shooting with Jeremy Rayner. Rainer returning as Clint and Steinfield joining him as Kate Bishop. Uh, <clears throat> beyond that, they said he said that She-Hulk will begin production in a few weeks and a week or so after. Moon Knight will also go into production. So, saying this, some of the shows that I mentioned we're about to start filming, we are keeping in mind a structure that will lead to season two or season three in more than a direct way than, say, a show like WandaVision, which clearly goes into a feature, but it's, it is new. So, yeah. Kevin Feige also referenced, was referring to how Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Wanda Maxwell, is already slated to appear in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. So while there's no season two of WandaVision, playing characters jumping from a show to a movie is part of the MCU connectivity. Saying that sometimes you could go into a feature, then head back into a series. We announced that Miss Marvel has her debut on the Disney Plus. She will also be going into the second Captain Marvel movie, but sometimes... And it's yet to be announced. We are thinking of planning second seasons or some shows also of upcoming series. Kevin Feige also said that there are legions of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans and Daredevil fans, Jessica Jones fans, and Luke Cage fans who disagree with one report's assertion that Disney Plus is Marvel's first successful TV venture. So he hasn't. So while he hasn't acknowledged, so while we still, oh, and Danny Rand, he he's completely forgot about. <laughs> so. But it's unknown at this time if you'll if we'll be seeing them join the MCU. Though Daredevil has more of a chance right now than Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, Owens and Danny Rand. In fact, I think Danny Rand has the least likelihood. I think Punisher has more of a chance. So yeah. So Avatar: The Last Airbender franchise is expanding with a new anime theatrical movie and a dedicated studio to focus on all things created. Nickelodeon has announced the launch of a new division dedicated to creating a new series of movies based on the world of Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. The division will be called Avatar Studios and will be led by the original creators and executive producers Michael D. Marto and Brian... I can't pronounce that last name. 
Avatar series will de- work will debut on Disney Plus, on Paramount Plus, Nickelodeon platforms, and unspecific third-party platforms, as well as cinemas. The first project for the for the Avatar studio is said to be an animated theatrical film. No further details were revealed, but the project is set to begin production this year. The creator saying um, in a joint statement. It's hard to believe that it's been 19 years since we created Avatar The Last Airbender, but even after all this time, there are still many stories and time periods in the world that we are eager to bring to life. We are fortunate to the ever-growing, to an ever-growing community of passionate fans that enjoys exploring the Avatarverse. Yeah, that's what it's called now. As much as we do, we are excited to be back on at Nickelodeon where Avatar began doing what we can do as best, the biggest way possible. We can't wait to build the great teams and productions that make all this fantasy a reality. Uh, I mean, like, they realized, uh, oh, wait, uh, we can't do the same thing we did last time, so we gotta actually try with, um, <laughs> with the and that Shyamalan movie. Oh, God. So, the Rugrats reboot is coming to Paramount Plus with the original voice cast. So, you might as well just make a continuation. So, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and Warzone... It may no longer be able to fit a 500 gigabyte PlayStation 4. <sighs> Why? In fact, we should just give up at this point. Evan Peters in One Division was decided earlier on in development, according to Karen Feige. You know, Quicksilver from the MC- from the X Men universe. Yeah, during that conference I mentioned, the Kevin Feige was asked about the discussion of the sign to include Peter or the original actor from the both playing, who both Aaron Taylor Johnson, who both played Quicksilver in different superhero universes, is and saying there are discussions on everything. That's one of the fun things about developing these things and whatnot. So yeah, some people think that the Quicksilver we're seeing in the Wandavision is actually the same Quicksilver from the X Men universe, but there's a difference here. There's a difference in that Quicksilver, you know, doesn't remember or has a different history or is probably a created one by Wanda or created by evil goth magic by Agatha. <laughs> Snooper's gonna snoop. Get ready for that, everybody. So, our president, America's leader, Joe Biden. He is currently preparing to focus his next major phase in presidential processing. He's going to investigate the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 shortages. Wait, what? Yeah, we're in a pandemic. We got eh, it's subsiding. We got to relax about it. We got to be we got to be arrogant and a little slow and kind of take stupid unnecessary choices. Yeah, a semiconductor storage brought on by the ongoing pandemic is the beginning of a to be giving detrimental a wide range of industries, prompting President Biden to launch an investigation on how it can be resolved. I mean, you you could just stop the pandemic. Like, you could just stop the pandemic. But we're not going to do that. we got to ignore that a little bit longer. Like, this is just my two cents. I'm just kidding around. But, come on. They keep saying, sir, it's the pandemic that's causing the shortages. How about we just kill the pandemic? With, you know, our policies that we already enacted by everyone else. But people around us are being too stupid to listen. You know, like we had in D.C. a few weeks back in early January. I mean, God, they weren't even wearing masks. And we had cops protecting them. I mean, come on. 
Can we please charge them at by now? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Kevin Feige remains tight-lipped on more Asian S.H.I.E.L.D. members in that call coming to the MCU. It's more like a when by now, I think. I I'm not sure, but that's just my opinion. It's more of a when than it is a th uh, an if. But, let's move on and finish this week up of news with Taya Valkyrie reporting to the WWE NXT Performance Center. The former Impact Wrestling Knockout, has, knockout Champion has arrived at the Performance Center. And, you know, <laughs> she's been arrested and sent to Stanford's prison. Oh, you poor, poor girl. Oh, man. At least your husband's there. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure he's not happy being there. He's just being a jokester. Bad comedy. So... Yeah. <laughs> Considering how her career ended in, in Impact Wrestling with attempted murder at a wedding. Uh, oh, God. that's I'm still laughing. I, I'm still laughing about that. Who shot Bravo? No! Just like the delivery and the execution is just so hilarious. To the point now that that pastor had to show up on Dynamite eight in a not as good as the shootout wedding, but still ends in disaster. The only way they could have topped the gunfire shooting at that that at Rosemary's wearing wedding with Bravo is that they went ahead and lit everyone on fire, or have Kane come up and tombstone the priest, or the satanic worshiper, that kind of thing. So. Former AEW World Champion Chris Jericho has registered trademark of one of his old nicknames. The man known as the Demo God, the Champion, Y2J, the Painmaker, amongst many others, has registered the trademark for Corazon de Leon, registering the application on February 18th. Jericho used Corazon de Leon handle while wrestling in Mexico for CMWL before using the Angel Eyes Lionheart nickname while wrestling in Japan as well as ECW and WCW. So, yeah, there's no word that he's going to use the two names. He's in AEW. The trademark application is successful, but we'll have to see how that goes. I'm excited. We might see him come back. Along with that, Tony Khan is teasing a surprise for AEW Revolution ladder match. Saying this, so I'm having a qualifying match. I'm playing another one the following week. Eek. Uh, and then there's another spot. I haven't decided what to do with it yet. Khan continues saying, I have an idea, and I think I'm not, I know who might be pretty good for it. Some people might have to wait till Revolution to find out who the last person in the line match is. But there's definitely going to be some, some exciting qualifying matches in a couple of weeks. Oh, who could it be? I mean, like, it can't be Hiromu Takahashi. He sadly got injured and will be out for six months. Damn you, wrestling! Why must you injure us? And he just got back. He almost had a career-ending injury, and now he's back, and he won the title again. And now he's probably going to be gone for an extended period of time. <sighs> Life's unfair at times. So it can't be him. So if I had to take a guess, I know it's not Okada. I mean, like, I don't think Okada, Okada's probably not going to bank on going out to the TNT... TNT Championship, so... 
I'm pretty sure we'll see Okada at Revolution. I could be horribly wrong, but this is just my prediction. I think Okada will show up when confronting Omega. I, I could see that. But as for showing up legitimately, like, you know, showing up in the ladder match, I don't see him doing that. That would be kind of insane and would end his Rainmaker his Rainmaker quota since he's supposed to only challenge for the world titles because he can't challenge for any other belts and according to his character, the Rainmaker. But, yeah. Uh, if I had to take the best guess with AEW's partnerships with NWA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Impact Wrestling, it, it could be really anything, buddy. I just hope it's not Will Ospreay and and Marty Scroll, who just recently came back from from NW from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and just have an active role on TV during a taping. It was reported by Fightful. So tragically, Marty Scroll and Will Ospreay did horrible things to people. Were came out with this, and during the Speaking Out movement, they get to go to New Japan. And I made a dark, very morbid joke to some buddies that I called. This, like, they're criminals on the run, and New Japan Pro Wrestling is their sanctuary haven for a foreign country. And they just said that was dark. But it's kind of true. They kind of treat New Japan Pro Wrestling like, oh, oh, we just broke the law and did some horrible, unethical things. We got to go ahead and go to New Japan. That will be our haven. They will let us get away with it. But then we have defenders going in and saying it's our fault. Because they're famous. Like, we knew what was going on in their personal life. Melina clarifies reports about a return, saying she has not re-signed with the company amid rumors of her impending return to the promotion. Yeah. So there was speculation she was coming back. Then she came out and said, no, I'm not coming back. And saying this, told WrestleTalk, saying it, it was talks of a return, talks of seeing it possible, and all that stuff. Everyone made such a big deal out of it. I was in talks with WWE, but I never signed a contract. There was nothing going on. Just, hey, would you consider, would you be open? And I'm like, hell yeah. Well, it turned out I have a bad knee and I can't wrestle. Damn you, ambition! So, yeah, she was not, also pointed out she was not aware of her knee, if her knee injury was the only reason she had not been re-signed by WWE. Who knows? If I didn't have a bad knee, it would, it would they have signed me, or would you never know? If I, if I had a good knee, they wanted to see if I was open to it, but probably not got get signed. That's just the way wrestling is. It's never a guarantee, unless you're Charlotte, and then of course that is certainly a guarantee, because that's how it works. WWE is now reportedly seeing Damian Priest as the company's next Latina Latin American star. Finally, they're seeing something. Okay, actually, this is the thing that pisses me off. So they see Damien Priest as their top star for Latin Americans. And I'm just thinking, hey, um, does Andrade C. and Almas not exist? Does Angel Garza not exist? I mean, like, Rey Mysterio's still there, but he's had his time. It's like they don't know what they're doing. Oh, wait, this is Dead Area. Of course they don't. But, like, I'm glad Damian Priest is getting seen like that. But at the same time, they said this to Andrade. They said this to Angel Garza. Angel Garza even got the compliment that, You remind me of an Eddie Guerrero, damn it. But, you know, they gave up after, like, several weeks. And then they never talked about it ever again. So, 
Yeah. I and the fact that he's still doing this thing with Bad Bunny, like, look, I don't I don't care about Bad Bunny. I have no opinion on him. I'm not interested in his music. But the fact that he is being put in a storyline with Bad Bunny, where it's more like, oh, he he's buddies with Bad Bunny. But he's basically a character in someone else's story, like Aleister Black, makes me paranoid. So, yeah. WWE CFO says WWE Network did not aggressively go after subscribers. They saying, uh, the chief financial officer said... Was recently asked by Wall Street Journal explaining why WWE struggled to expand subscribers, and she made the company didn't go aggressively go after subscribers like Netflix or Disney Plus do. Okay, I, I must stress that is the biggest lie I've heard in years. Maybe because I don't know, you've built a bad rep for people. Like I know Disney Plus aren't saints. The guys at Disney aren't saints. In fact, I've called them out on several occasions, mostly for how they've handled Star Wars, but they have so much good catalog under them. Um, that it's hard to really that you have to kind of subscribe to their content, especially when they buy everything up. Up and Netflix is like Netflix, so they were here first kind of mentality. But WWE, they made a freaking song to promote the network. Nine ninety nine. You know, that annoying song. They kept pushing it and pushing it all throughout 2015 to 2016 and maybe late 2014 where they kept screaming at the top of their lungs, oh, you can just get it for $9.99. $9.99. They even had JBL put out a sign saying $9.99 like trying to be subliminal messaging. And I'm just like, oh, shut up, man. And it's like, here's the thing. And I, and I keep having to point this out. Wrestling is not as massively popular, like, say, the nines, when the Monday Night Wars. There will probably never be a period where WWE could ever break 10 million ever again. Especially at the current rate they're going with creatively. And the fact that WWE is so adamant against the idea of having a super ultra megastar like a Rock or a Stone Cold or a John Cena. And the fact that they went PG and started alienating their audiences. What did you think was going to happen? That you were going to use nostalgia to just sell it? Hey, this is nostalgia. Here's nostalgia. Okay, uh, what about current stuff? Um... We have a documentary about uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Okay, like that was cool, but current stuff. Um, we have main event. Oh, you're gonna have main event talent on a special show? Oh, that, that kind of sounds cool. Was oh no no no, this is all a bunch of C-list superstars that we don't ultimately don't care about. So why should I care? Um, because we we made your childhood. Oh goddamn. So, yeah, we're, we're at this argument now. Okay. They're trying to be so saying and all this and whatnot. And, and I'm just like, they serious, like they have so many yes people trying to lie now. Oh, man. So, final news for this first half of this week. Anna J of the Dark Order. Is back. There was news about how she announced on Monday that Anna J suffered a shoulder injury that requires surgery and she will be out of action for six to twelve months. 
She was scheduled to face Britt Baker in the first round of the AEW Women's Tournament, but she was replaced by Thunder Rosa's student, Apprentice. According to Fightful Select, Jay injured her soldier over a month ago, which resulted in changes to the dark taping, but Jay remained out of action since then because AEW and her thought hoped that the injury wasn't as serious as it ultimately was, but the problem was recently aggravated. She debated back in... Tw- she did back in April of 2020 and later signed with the promotion. She joined the Dark Order not long after and picked up some wins over Brandy Rose and Red Velvet in singles action. Jay also formed a friendship with Tay Coda and they have a 2-1 to one record as tag team. So, yeah, she's out of action. She will be gone for two for 6-12 to 12 months. So, luckily she's 22, so she has a lot of years under her belt. Let's just hope it's not a career-ending injury down the road. So, um, she can still bounce back from this. People want her out of AEW and go to WWE. Like, that's going to treat her any better. Say, oh, she has the style of Vince wants. I mean, yeah, she has the look. But, like, here's the thing. If they're not the four horsewomen they're, or Ronda Rousey, they're nothing. Like, look at Asuka. She's not even the main focal point on Raw. And she's the Raw Women's Champion. Charlotte's still the main focal point in the women's division, which is unbelievably sad. So, clearly, Asuka's only there because, oh, she's only the champion because we don't have a Ronda Rousey or Becky Lynch to do anything. We can't put the strap back on Charlotte yet because uh, 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 we, we, gotta have, we gotta have a Patriot moment with her when she takes the towel back because America! Yeah, that's still my theory that Vince is a xenophobic bastard, but that's a different matter. So... Yeah, this was the Reality Collective, everybody. Oh, God. Let's sign out for the outro and final ad. Take care, everybody. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.